0: As much as I like to fight everyone, I'm having a pretty good time here. Why you mad?
1: Why you mad? Why you mad? Why you mad?
0: All right. Hello, why you mad, listeners? um this is Louisa I'm here today with a guest with Kate Terry
1: hello Uh,
0: hi Kate hi (laughs) welcome thank you so much for (laughs) filling in for Jake I really appreciate it
1: I'm excited I my voice is a lot higher than his so it's gonna be I'm so hard for the male it's a giveaway yeah I know (laughs) We're sorry, men, that you have to uh,
0: deal with our higher than... With our cackling. Yeah, exactly. Uh, We're also going to talk about a girl movie, girl movies, I think. But, I mean, not that they're, like, boys can't like them, but I just think... think, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think that they are both examples of really good girl horror whatever we'll get into it but yeah. Um, yeah just to check in you know uh to let everyone know so this is like our second episode now uh with a guest instead of Jake Jake's been touring and funny enough he is actually in town tonight he's like <laughs> in town for like three days <laughs> and okay he's like when do you want to record and I'm like you have to sleep and work and yeah like, yeah we don't have a day so um, I've ha- I have some friends and cool people filling in. So today I have Kate uh, from the Things for the Memories podcast yeah. that I was on recently. And it um, was awesome. Yeah, I had so much fun talking with you guys. And yeah. um, for anyone listening that hasn't listened to it yet, um, Kate's podcast is, um, it's like a Buffy the Vampire Slayer focused pod, but they also do like side episodes about movies. And I was on one talking about the craft. Both of the crafts, I guess. Yeah, this is cool.
1: It's like another adaptation.
0: Exactly. Yes. And this is why I wanted to have you on. Like, Not only because mm, I do think this is like girl horror that we're going to talk about, (laughs) but also because um, I I, I hold the unpopular opinion that uh, remakes and reboots and sequels and everything are good. And people do not agree with that. <laughs> and I
1: have I, think, I have a a both I'm like both minds about right? it so you can appreciate
0: yeah. both right but you're also, yeah you're like a polyqueer freak so you're like <laughs> why <Yeah>. not everything <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> yes and I also agree with that point of view but I guess I'm mostly like trying to reach the people who are so like um purists about like the originals you know yeah um. I almost like want to say to them, I guess, that like, I appreciate your love for the originals, but I don't see how you don't appreciate how those originals became springboards for other artists to then take this same narrative somewhere else or this same style somewhere else. Um, And it's not always successful, but the attempt is like such an homage and it's such a like, that's what art is supposed to do that I just don't understand the hate for the remakes you know what yeah. I
1: mean? <laughs> yeah yeah I think um it depends yeah like remakes and adaptations are interesting because they're like they're it- iterative they're mm-hmm. like a re-examination recontextualization. um and That's actually cool. I read this thing uh Tilda Swinton called the new Suspiria a cover version not a Love remake that. which is interesting
0: yeah, I really um, like that because that... And I agree. Yeah, because it kind of implies that um, it's an homage. There was nothing wrong with the original one. Right. sort of like we're just bringing our own flavor to it and our own style to it. And yeah. And I think so, like, uh, you know, obviously this is in the description for anybody listening now, but we're going to talk about the two Cisteria movies. And... Woo! I I fucking love them, and I have so much that I want to talk to you about, Kate. Because, um, okay, before we even get into comparing okay. them or any <laughs> of that, any of that, I feel like I just maybe in the last year discovered the idea of dance horror.
1: Ooh, yeah,
0: yeah. And do you see how it's like a subgenre in horror? There's, like I several, do. Yeah, like Black Swan is yeah, one climax. And-
1: Yeah. And I think like it makes so much sense because dance is like what dance does to dancers bodies is kind of horrific.
0: Yes, you're getting exactly to where I'm going, which is like it's body horror to the most extreme version. I think like, you know, if you ask most people like what's a body horror movie that you think of, they think of like Saw or like what's that but what is it? The human centipede. And I'm like that butt. <laughs> the butt. The butt <laughs> that butt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. And I just think like, okay, sure. You know, those movies do go out of the way, out of their way to be like graphic in the way that they like squish bodies and like yeah. uh, perform violence on a body. But dance horror is so fucking interesting because. It's not just this performance on violence, of violence on the body, but it's also it also has this angle of artists and art behind it of like self sacrifice for Mm -hmm. art. So like putting your body forward to be the like the meat (laughs) that gets ground in this machine to make art, you know. And um, anything from like because Black Swan treats it in a very individualist way and I've kind of realized that maybe I think I'm in love with Aaron Aronofsky movies but oh I god know. I hate him
1: but Do we you? can yeah
0: why tell me why I, I just
1: find um I, there's something about his movies that are like they're very bleak mm-hmm. in a way that like offers sort of no like um There's no, like, window of hope and possibility, I think, which I there's a place for that. I shouldn't say I hate him, but I do like a horror movie that has, like, possibilities. And I feel like sometimes he takes them out. Like, they're like, no, 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 you have to look at it this way. You're right.
0: No, I think you're extremely right. And I I feel called out because I do think... (laughs) But the reason that I like his films is because they're so bleak and because they're so, like, um, I guess maybe it's, like, maybe I subscribe to a little bit of a theory of um, rock bottom, of having to hit rock bottom. That's fair. You know, like, I kind of think, like, humanity, especially the kind of people that, like, love film and are constantly um, consuming media, I think before we can get most of them to the point of, like, here's what you do to fix it we have to get them to recognize that there's a problem
1: yeah no that's
0: fair being super bleak with them I think is I don't know the path but I also understand as someone who is like already thinking because I know you uh participate in organizing you are Mm -hmm. a community person like you uh someone like you I understand you know Even, like, like, I'm hopeless, (laughs) but I also Yeah, like, I'm aware
1: of the bleakness. I'm not, like, hiding from it already. Exactly. No, no. And you're you're
0: actually, um, not to be a relativist, but you're beyond the point of, like, no, I understand what the bleakness is. Let's talk about solutions now. Yeah. Um, But then, like, you know, I saw this tweet from some guy today that I retweeted where he said something like, uh, he was talking about sci-fi, actually, which is also a big genre that I like. And he said something... something like um hey uh it's uh enough with the sci-fi that reaffirms Oh, I saw family. that. Family. Yeah. He was like Avatar, like all these other like so many of them, The Purge, a bunch of them reaffirm well, that's horror, sorry. But uh for sci-fi, he said Avatar what were the other examples? I don't know. Um
1: he said white noise, which i white disagree oh, with. Oh, well, and so uh everything I've never seen the movie
0: all at once, definitely. It's yeah. like a nuclear family. Um, yeah i
1: think white noise i mean i haven't seen the movie because i'm being a brat about it because i yeah. like the novel so much um and i don't think the people that were cast are like the right people so i'm being a real jackass about it but um That's i cool. think white noise is all about like nuclear family like alienation and how like, like a that critique of it yeah like it causes yeah. this like
0: well but sometimes the adaptation misses the point right? oh totally yeah it ha- I original. mean that happens
1: all the time yeah um, I was just listening to a podcast um the Brooklyn Institute for Social Research has a podcast Love it. and they were talking about um Jane Austen adaptations and how like pretty much every single one of them misses like the class critique and like the biting like humor that she had yeah and like they all kind of just like I'm using I'm going to use the Louisa word they all reify the um you know the the kind of like idol culture of all of the women um, yeah. and don't show or talk about ever like what has to happen in the background for those things to exist um, yeah totally so they missed uh, it entirely yeah
0: I haven't watched this I don't know if you have I doubt anyone has listening but. <laughs> I noticed that on Hulu, I believe, there's like this new series called Rosaline. Have you heard no. of this? Mm-mm. No. Oh, my God, Kate. So it's yeah. basically <laughs> like a brand new 23, 2023 series. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, it sounded up. like she just said, Mama. <laughs> yeah, she's like she has opinions on Rosaline. So it's a series that where the primary character is Rosaline as in Romeo's first girlfriend at the beginning of Romeo and Juliet yeah and the premise from what I can tell from the commercials oh my god Lucy's puking I hope nobody can hear that Lucy no (laughs) she's just like I ate too many plants uh anyway
1: oh god yeah
0: (laughs) the premise of the show from what I can tell from the commercials and the trailers is that Rosaline becomes aware that after she rejected Romeo he went after Juliet And now she decides she wants him. (laughs) So she's like, yeah, fuck that. That's like not the real love story. I'm going to prove to you guys this is the real love story. Romeo belongs with me. And here's the thing. I haven't even watched it, but like it already sounds like the premise doesn't understand the point of Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Because it wasn't about true love. It was about lust and power and uh children i guess like not really knowing their place in the world and where yeah you know, like there was uh and about how you as much as you think you are an individual you belong to a family and you have responsibilities and things that limit you in life
1: yeah and, and they didn't live that long they like, didn't how live
0: could... so i'm like how does this series like how does this progress so she goes right. after romeo and then eventually they kill themselves so what is what's what season two right <laughs> like, <laughs> i don't know she she gets on tinder or <laughs> like I don't she know. stops them she's yeah. like
1: the hero exactly stops them so from killing themselves i yeah, i bring silliness. it up to
0: say that you know i get it a lot of adaptations and remakes are not good but um i think the effort is always worth checking out because maybe it will bring something new and suspiria in particular i think both versions are fucking phenomenal and they're great for different reasons and I Mm -hmm. think that the new one did escalate where the first one started in terms of style and content and narrative uh acting like in every way which is not to say that the first one was bad but I mean, let's get into it because yeah, uh, yeah. You know, part of the reason that I invited you is because you mentioned to me that you love the first one. Right? I do. I yeah, love the so first tell one. Tell me. Tell me about why you love the first one.
1: Um, okay, so I think the first one is like this just beautiful um like psychedelic fever dream. I love like totally. everything about the way everything is like every scene is set up. There's that scene where um Susie like goes to visit the woman in um like the apartment building and it's like the most gorgeous um the like wallpaper yeah beautiful. everything yeah. is like to the but you know what's
0: funny it reminded me so much of um the shining
1: Oh yeah I could see that yeah, yeah like
0: they had the same like 70s love for the aesthetic of symmetry mm-hmm. and like in and symmetry within interior decoration and how that could be like both uh, visually stunning but also like confusing right alienating yeah it was uh, was weird because I I found more comparisons for the old one with other movies than I did with the new one
1: I could see that yeah Yeah, I've actually read I've read reviews where people are like I don't know where to put the new Suspiria whereas like the old Suspiria. Um, I don't know how much like Jalo you've watched.
0: Well, um, I can't say I've watched a lot. So yeah, the problem with being a um person with a lot of degrees who worked the whole time is that most of my life has been about like reading excerpts, watching clips. Right. <laughs> you know? so yeah. I'm, I'm a very like I know a little bit about everything. So. I anyone. hear that. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like for people who know less than me or as much as me, the way I would summarize it is um, Giallo is a, uh, what is it, like a subgenre, I guess, of film yeah. that is specifically Italian
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, that refers to a sort of mystery thriller horror genre that is very uh, kind of like surreal very uh, yeah. colorful, uh, stylized. Um, not it's very vibes. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly
1: <laughs> beyond vibes.
0: Yeah, and so Argento, right, is the the guy who um, pro- uh, like produced. Sorry, that's comedy. Uh, who directed <laughs> um the first one in seventy yeah. seven, but then what's funny enough? Uh, what made me kind of think is part of the success of the second one is that. The second one in 2018 or 19 mm-hmm. is also by an Italian director, Guad- uh, Guadagnino.
1: Yeah, Luca. and mm-hmm. set the same year
0: totally. that
1: the first one came out, which I think is an amazing, like, looping dialogue. Absolutely, And it's yeah. the
0: same um, character names also Mm -hmm. like it's Susie is the main um person we're following and we have Sarah like all the same people are in there uh madam um whatever her name is yeah Yeah. all of them are there but they are completely different from one movie to the other yeah it is in this way where it's like you can see where they're paying homage and where they're respectfully being like um, I guess like calling to the visual aspects of the original one mm-hmm. but I would say that the strength of the original one is the visual aspects and the music oh my gosh oh the, Goblin
1: yeah the yes, sound so in good that
0: one is amazing and I can't imagine in 77 it must have been like out of this world crazy yeah movie. it was
1: like this prog rock band called yeah. Goblin that he hired to do it, it was so cool yeah, absolutely and like yeah I think the reason why I love the first one is like again in that thing that I was saying earlier about how I like kind of like possibilities I also Mm -hmm. like a lot of like openings into movies where um this is like very psychological abstract horror you know that's it's like it's kind of timeless like this school is sort of Set in like a nowhere kind of place, even though it's Freiburg, yeah. Um, and like it feels like a fairy tale. Um, whereas Probably. like the new one is like very, very deeply set in place and has a very like socio political, yeah, context.
0: exactly. Yes, yeah. And I, I think that's why you know, uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, Kate's an artist, so you're an artist. I am. <laughs> yeah, so to me, I'm like, of course you like the first one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm like, it is visually stunning. It is orally stunning. It, um, it is almost a vehicle for um, visual and oral art. And Absolutely, yeah. Everything else is secondary, right? Whereas in the first one, I think narrative is primary. yeah definitely the story because the story in the original is a very basic like uh, I don't want to call it just white horror but it's like a basic like uh, a sort of young pretty white woman is out of her regular comfort zone and uh, she has aspirations and then something sinister seems to be happening and she has to escape and by the end the resolution is that um she realizes that the dance school that she got into uh was a coven that was basically using these young women as sacrifices right yeah like
1: they're vessels basically exactly
0: so it goes back to the horror the body horror thing we were talking about they both Mm -hmm. heavily rely on this body horror dance thing right so in the first one it's that they're sacrificial lambs Mm -hmm. and the way it gets resolved is that Susie ends up escaping, and the school and the coven gets burnt down.
1: Right? Yeah, like she kills the like sort of mother of the coven.
0: Yeah, Meyer is that her name? Mother Meyer, Mayer? Oh, I think God, that's. The I just one. forgot her name. Yeah, I think that's her name, and she's the one yeah. that's like super gross in the new one. Yes. Oh <laughs> yeah, Also exactly. played
1: by Tilda Swinton, which we'll talk about. Uh, we got to talk so about. So wild. That. I um, also, I'm
0: like, damn, do I love Tilda Swinton? I think I well, do. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, yeah. that's fair. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking awesome. So here's like some key differences that I want to bring up to you about mm-hmm. the, the new one. So one thing that I noticed is in the old one, um, there it does make a difference that in the, in, oh, I shouldn't say the old one, in the original one, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Susie she comes to Germany already accepted into this school. Yes. But we feel the displacement of her being in a place that's new or weird to her because she can't get into the uh, like dormitory or into the studio. So she goes and she stays in a hotel. Right. In the new one, if you recall, uh, Susie basically runs away from her Amish family.
1: Mennonite, yeah, Mennonite.
0: <laughs> uh, with like whatever money she has left, goes to fucking Germany, while like East Berlin, I guess. Like, yeah, I don't
1: know. or west, yeah, West she's Berlin. In west Berlin. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Behind the wall, and she uh goes there because she was like a fan of the yeah. dance troupe, and she had seen the dance troupe several times as a younger person uh including like I think she says like three times she like basically ran away from home and uh hitchhiked to go to New York City mm-hmm. to go see this dance troupe, and so her dream since she was like a lo- young little kid was to be a part of this dance troupe, so she runs away from home and she goes to Germany and in like set- in seventy seven or some shit, and <laughs> by herself she shows up and she knocks on the door. And she doesn't have an appointment and she's not accepted. And she's just there, like, I you need to see me. I belong here. (laughs) And like, let me audition. And the teachers, they're like, okay, fine, you can audition, but like Madame Blanc, the main one, she's busy. She's not gonna watch you. And she goes in and she does this like audition performance that although she doesn't know, what's happening at the same time is that she's tapping into the Oh, my God. I'm sorry. (laughs) This is Gabe. Oh, he's going to be so ashamed of me. It's Gabe. Yeah. He finally (laughs) called me and it's like, no, I'm podcasting. Gabe. (laughs) Yeah, but anyway. She's busy. uh, Susie's dancing this audition, Kate, you know, and it's like her heart literally on the fucking dance floor because this is her whole dream and all she wants is for these people. Like, literally, if they say no. To accept her. She's yeah, in the street in Germany. <laughs> you know. Right. So, Which, like, like, yeah, like how does she get back home? Yeah. So she's like performing her fucking heart out. And what we see is that the dancer who was previously like, I guess, like the prima donna, the one that was like Olga. Lead before yeah. Olga, she is going through some shit where she's very upset with the teachers because her friend is missing and nobody will listen to her. So she's in the process of like trying to leave the dance troupe. Yes. But as we're seeing um, Susie do her dance, we simultaneously see Olga get trapped, I guess, by the house, you know? Oh, my God. By, like, the power God. of the studio, of the coven itself. And we, our first horrific scene is of Olga's body being, like, completely just destroyed, right? Like, Truly, really,
1: like, yeah, one of the, and I love, like, I really enjoy it's body horrific horror scene. a lot. Yeah. It is so horrific. It is so mm-hmm. disgusting and it just like turns yeah, it turns her into a piece juxt- of meat.
0: Absolutely. For so that's where we see the like um the call to the original movie where these dancers' bodies are just sacrificial lambs, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time we're seeing Susie who is like murdering her audition. She is like at the epitome of an artist, just showing you that she is the best and she belongs here, and she's putting everything into it. So at the same time, we're seeing like the horror of what this kind of passion for your art can do to your body, juxtaposed with like the brilliance, right, and the joy, right, and the the aspirations it can get you to. But and, then both are sort yeah. of
1: like being controlled totally by the but, older women
0: yeah right but then when we get to the end though what I think makes Suspiria 2018's narrative so interesting and not something I've ever seen before is that so something that's totally new from the in the second one from the first one is the Amish narrative right the Mennonite narrative, right, mm-hmm. right? that's not at all in the first one and at first, it's kind of confusing because you kind of you only get like these flashes of like her childhood, and her mom is in her death on her deathbed, and then you see like she was not a good kid. She was like the seventh or eighth of like ten or something like that, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And she just wasn't a good girl, and she wasn't obedient. And then we see her mom on her deathbed talking about how she was always like, the curse of her mother's Oh, my life. God. That was so scary. Right? Yes, yes. exactly. When she so, said her,
1: her daughter would like was, like, the smear that she brought upon the earth. On the earth,
0: yes. The smear exactly. is, like, such an intense word. Yeah. Man, and we're on your deathbed. You're like, I think I have to repent for this one particular child I brought yes. <laughs> into the world. And so I think that's a very important, like, slight thing that gets missed by people who watch this second one. Because the thing there is Susie in the second one is not a victim. She is not a sacrifice. It seems like she's a sacrifice like all the others. But she actually is the reincarnation of the goddess that that coven worshipped. Right. Mother Suspiriora. Mother Suspiriora. (laughs) Yeah, which, you know, I like looked it up. Do you know what that Suspiria means? You it's know what
1: it, is it t- size yeah
0: in yeah. latin it's yeah. a sigh from the depths yes yes and i feel like visually aesthetically the first one nailed the size from the depths mm-hmm. the second one nailed the story of the size from the depths because so, it's about oh yeah. like a, a bunch of artists who are like completely sacrificing themselves and their bodies for their art which in this case is for that coven but they their motivations were corrupted at some point so the goddess that they worshipped felt that she had to come back to earth to punish them and take over the coven because they were not properly uh worshipping her right? Yes. They had like selfish wants and needs. And this is like some shit that is like, I've never seen this in any other horror movie where it's sort of like a women, it's like an internal feminism call out. (laughs) 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 No, do you know what I mean? Yeah, where it's like very much a movie about like, when we or like a warning about how like, even in sisterhood, We can fall prey to things like ego, uh, power hunger, whatever Mm -hmm. you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, aware of it. Yeah, yeah. Like I think this movie is so much, so much more than the first one about like relationships between mothers and daughters, both Mm -hmm. like you know in by blood, and then you know at the end, yeah. yeah, they tell her she has to you know reject her mother and yeah. you know become part of the coven and she's like actually I'm the mother <laughs> um exactly. but i was wondering so i the thing that like i don't i don't know if i totally buy that her becoming you know sort of the head mother does enough to like dismantle the hierarchy no, and that's not where at all. yeah and that's the part where i'm like oh i wish that they had done something oh is this the part
0: where you wish for a sequel kate no that's (laughs) just too
1: and it's all about family abolition and she goes around and destroys the family no totally
0: that's why i'm like it's not at all i'm not saying it's perfect because it's right like okay so when i say that Susie in the second one she's not a a sacrificial lamb Mm mm-hmm Ugh, that's not exactly correct, right? Because she is a sac- she's not a sacrificial lamb in the way that the other dancers are, like Sarah. Because right. Sarah and them, they represent like the the first Suspiria type of dancer, yes. who were just like a nice, privileged, pretty girl who was good at dancing, applied to a school, got in, and didn't know what she was getting into, right? Susie in the new one is not that. She no. very <laughs> much was pursuing this we get from her mom that she was like born evil (laughs) right and (laughs) by evil we just mean like not Christian right that's another thing not a Mennonite yeah Yeah. yeah, exactly (laughs) like that's another thing that was interesting to me is that Suspiria 2018 defined evil women as just being like not patriarchal not Christian
1: (laughs) you know yeah and I mean witchcraft is such a good metaphor for that because like historically I mean, more so in in Europe than the United States, like so many more women died in Europe from yep. witchcraft uh, persecutions and persecution. Yeah, yeah. And like, I mean, you could basically just, you know, the whole thing was just that you were a weird woman.
0: Exactly. In <laughs> and South like America, too.
1: Yeah. And yeah. that was just, you know, a way of terrifying women for to behave many years, yeah. yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly. So, uh, this like new Susie, ugh, it's sort of a symbol of empowerment because she didn't go there to be sacrificed, she went there to take over and like establish her power, right? But she's also a vessel for a pre Christian god, yes. So, therefore, she's kind of the ultimate expression of a sacrifice and, like, your present body doesn't matter. It is just a vessel for whatever it is that you bring from the past into the future. And that is sort of like a really, I don't know if I'm going too far here, but that's, like, a metaphor for being an artist, (laughs) right? Yeah, I mean,
1: they talk about it, Tilda Swinton says in the movie, or or madame leblanc says yeah when you dance the dance of another you empty yourself so she can live within you i mean that's exactly Exactly. like what they're doing in dance and also what they're doing in life at you know with the coven Mm -hmm. that like um these younger women are you know just sort of used up as vessels for for like the collective coven um you know to give them like youth and beauty Mm -hmm. and um yeah i mean it's it's really interesting because it is how a lot of relationships that aren't idealized between women actually exist you know and it's pretty cruel and like we talked about this in the craft like in the original craft it was probably a little bit more realistic that you mm-hmm. know like
0: like the competition yeah that girls fuck and, each other yeah. over yeah exactly <laughs> um and i mean but obviously it, but, but to your point at the beginning it was also more hopeless because mm. in, it, like the original craft was like ah well girls women won't ever be able to overcome these things and work together they yeah. are just as susceptible as men to like ego problems and power hunger and whatever. Right. And the new craft was like, no, not at all. Women can get together, or like non men can get together and recognize that patriarchy is the the thing that's holding us all collectively down. Right. Um. So it it's it is interesting because I would say to you that uh, do you th- which one do you think is more hopeful, the first Asperio or the second one? Hmm. I think the, fir-
1: well, the first I- one for me, I, well, just um, I think in terms of like movies that I like to watch, yeah. I find the first one more enjoyable. Um, the second one, I have to say, so this is the second time I've watched it, and I yeah. got a lot more out of it the second time that I missed the first time. Mm. Um, whereas like the first one, I think the first one you could probably watch like a thousand times, and yeah kind of like pull new little weird things out of them but it's yeah. more like fragmentary. Um, have you seen
0: um Climax? No. Oh my god, you got to check it out and we can okay. even talk about it afterwards. I have no idea who the director is. This is a movie Gabe made me watch, but it's like <laughs> um the let's say the synopsis is basically it's a dance horror movie and it is about a dance troupe. I want to say like European. I don't okay. Know, non-descript European dance group. yeah, <laughs> and you know, like, uh, multi-gender, multi-racial, and we open into like a dance space, and they are basically practicing their whole act. So the movie opens with a huge like dance number that is just like perfectly executed, very colorful, symmetrical, amazing. Yeah. And then it ends, and we realize that what it was is that they're rehearsing, right? okay and this dance troupe they're about to go on tour so this was their last rehearsal before they pack up and go on tour and after they rehearse they're gonna like hang out and party so there's one of them is djing somebody puts out a bowl of punch everyone starts dancing smoking cigarettes having a good time and then shit just fucking gets really fucked up because somebody spiked the punch with oh shit! Oh okay. yeah. So <laughs> it just becomes this like really trippy, colorful, dark as fuck, really fucked up movie. That is, it has like no point and no narrative other than this is a night of people getting drugged against their will. <laughs> and yeah, here's everything yeah. That happens, and so like narratively, I don't think it's very deep, but visually and um, in terms of music. It is absolutely like it reminds me of the first Suspiria. Okay,
1: cool. Yeah,
0: it, I totally, I think you would like it also because it, um, it has the horror elements, but it's mostly stylistic and beautiful to look. Yeah, at. yeah. yeah. Um, well,
1: like one of the things I think is interesting, like, and this is why both of them have like validity is like so after you watch the new Suspiria and realize that it's set at the same time as the original Suspiria, you realize that all of the sort of politics of the new Suspiria that they talk about were actually happening Mm -hmm. during the original Suspiria in real life. And it's almost... And then it kind of makes you think, like, was was this type of movie important to people because it was like sort of a reaction to the kind of violence and reality in, you know, like on view in the new one, which I think is really cool. Like I love that dialogue a lot.
0: I absolutely agree with you because, you know, um, I don't know, I'm sure you are familiar with um, magical realism, right? Yeah, yeah. American magical realism. Um, And the thing with Latin American magical realism is that, It is very much in the same category as like uh, slave stories Mm -hmm. and songs in North America in the sense that it is, um, it was a form for Latin American writers and artists to express their experience and frustrations with the systemic oppression of their Mm -hmm. life Mm -hmm. without naming it. Right. So they would make these like fantastical allegories that represented the actual material reality of their oppression. Yes. And I love that shit. <laughs> yeah. And in some ways I feel like, um, original Suspiria was operating in that same way where it was nodding at, uh, these like systems of oppression and the way that art is sort of, uh, another system that, uh, ravages a human's body and Mm -hmm. soul uh without directly addressing it like aestheticizing it (laughs) if that makes sense right yeah yeah whereas like the new Suspiria is like oh no we have to root it in like real history and experience so that you understand what we're talking to you about
1: right yeah and and I mean I think so like You know basically like i don't i don't know this much much about this time but like i know so this is like um what's called the german autumn Mm -hmm. and the um leftist group that um you know they show has like just um hijacked the plane oh right um from the they're the i guess from the red army fraction
0: and that's something that's not in the first one too. Right. But yeah. it's like
1: happening Yeah. In real life. So and it's,
0: um it also serves as a timekeeping device. In, yes. In the second movie because it basically is like as everything is happening to the dancers, the news occasionally plays and we hear that we're only like thirty six hours into totally. the into the kidnapping. I mean like the hostage situation. Yeah. So it very purposefully is linking individual experience with historical events.
1: Right. Yeah. And I think there's something I didn't pick up on this as much the first time either. But so a lot of what like the left was angry about in Germany was that like, you know, there was like the denazification, but Mm. it didn't really happen you know it it was just kind of like neoliberal shit where like a lot of Nazis were reabsorbed into the government, and I think the um we're doctor talks about that <laughs> yeah. yeah, or to Amer- or they just go and work in America, because, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so like the left was very mad that like you know Germany was like, we won't forget this, but like they were already in the process of forgetting. Of forgetting, yeah, yeah, and so like there's something really interesting about the idea of like remembering pain and like uh pain visible on the body you know like what's happening in the dance troupe at the same time and like at the very end um mother Suspiriorum makes dr klemper forget everything that happened to him so we haven't talked about him really
0: uh, well, no we haven't talked about the men in both movies, the man that, the man <laughs> yeah no this is the thing but even before we go there um yeah you know because of what you're saying like uh so it is interesting because this is I think why I'm fascinated lately with this dance horror category mm-hmm. because it is sort of like elite body horror, right? It's um body horror that is not just any clown any open micer <laughs> can do and I don't mean that derogatorily, but I mean it like uh it is uh dude ballet dance. It's one of the hardest art forms mm-hmm. out there. It is extremely exclusionary. It is extremely like you have to dedicate your whole life to it since you were like fucking 10. Your diet, your fucking yeah. choices and sex partners and the things you put in your body, like, it's, it's fucking crazy. And um, what is interesting to me about that is that even as it's, like, super elitist in a way, it is this, like, fancy version of continuing the tradition of either individual men or social apparatuses. Right? Is mm-hmm. that how you pluralize? That? Um, Apparat. Yeah. Appara- whatever. You get it. Um, operating on a woman's body and using a woman's body to create. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, like, you know, this is yeah, as much as the muse. about. Yeah. It's as much about an artist having a woman as a muse or a choreographer punishing a woman as a dancer or these men that want to regulate whether or not women can decide if they have children or not, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, do you know the artist Eve Klein? He's the one who yeah. has, like, the blue. Yeah, so... The blue, my favorite all of, of yeah, Yeah, so all of his, you know, female models that he painted, all got, a lot of them got really sick. hmm Because he painted them, you know, like, paint is not... Not like whatever paint he used organic was organic or like, <laughs> yeah. so you know it was like they were his muses, and he was yeah. covering them as like you know the objects and subjects of his art, and then in the meantime, he's like slowly killing them,
0: yeah. And he will be famous forever with them being a footnote, right?
1: Right, for his blue, which is very yeah. nice.
0: <laughs> which is a beautiful blue. Absolutely. It is a beautiful blue, yeah. But then um this reminded me, right, of um Octavia Butler, right? So just mm-hmm. like there's a little a little left turn here. Um yeah. Octavia Butler I love her sci-fi, and I think, like, everything she did as far as, like, diagnosing society's ills is correct and good, and she hit it right on the nose. But the thing that always bugged me was her insistence on, like, religion being Mm. an important aspect of, like, human liberation, I guess. And, you know, if you read into her shit, basically she believed that the only way to save humanity is, like, such a big endeavor that the only way to get all humans behind it is through such a powerful force, organizing force, as religion, right? Mm, Yeah. she, like, argues that religion has made pyramids, it's made cathedrals, it's fucking shaped the world, right? So the power of religion could be harnessed in her thinking to get humanity past where we are now. Yes. And this... Uh, sort of reminds me of these Suspiria movies because it's they are movies that show you how these artists, the directors, the writers, the performers in these movies, are doing the same thing as Octavia Butler, but instead of religion, they are treating art as their religion.
1: Ooh, that's interesting. Uh Yeah,
0: like they are willing... And in Suspiria, the second one... We see that exactly. It's not even an allegory. Like, she literally grows up in an Amish life or in a Mennonite life um, Mm -hmm. and then um, uh, collapses the idea of her artistic ability and her spiritual self into one, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I don't know. It's so... Like uh, to me, it's like such a deep critique of artists because it's the extreme version, right? Like any artist that you know, they all, well, you all have egos, right? You all, <laughs> we do. You we do. all have a yeah. point of view, and you believe you should be listened to, and you should ha- You want you have something to say, and someone should listen. And so is Susie, but it's not. It's like to the most extreme version of like it's for not just me as an individual but for the whole future of humanity yeah (laughs) yeah which is sort of like an octavia butler way of viewing religion and all of that stuff so all of that to say here's crazy and this is my question for you okay um dance horror seems mm-hmm. even more because Octavia Butler was like fighting within a like men's space, right? Mm-hmm. Sci-fi is very typically like a white male space. Uh, but dance horror weirdly seems to me to be the domain of women. Women are the majority of the dancers, the sacrificial lambs, the uh, egos that rise up from the fire. And, uh, in every in every example we've talked about today, uh, Black Swan and all of them, and they all are directed by men, mm-hmm. these movies. Yeah. So my question to you is twofold. One, is it that I just don't know about dance horror movies directed by women? Do you know of any? And I don't. Two, <laughs> right? And but two-
1: Suspiria was written, it was co-written, the original woman, was co-written right? by a woman. Yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. So Um, I'm just so curious because it seems like uh, a a genre that if we leave it to men, it can continue to be useful in the same way that ballet and every other form of art where men got to express themselves through uh, wearing down a human body of a woman. (laughs) Then how can we get this to be a genre that ex- is embraced by women I don't hmm. know is it, should it not be? I don't know like I don't, it, it's weird to me that um, for example I would say like Suspiria the second one mm-hmm. uh, I think is a very feminist story yeah and, I mean and so I'm like why I often hear the critique of like uh, we don't want women's stories told by men but I wish to see stories about women told by women that are going this hard yeah i, I mean
1: i'm I'm happy to have women's stories told by men as well, yeah, you know i don't I don't feel like it has to be that you know, like I think it's very limiting when you're like you can only talk about your own personal experience in art school. That's like a thing that comes up all the time Mm -hmm. and it drives people crazy. Um, Not myself as much, but like, there were other people in art school who, you know, like, uh, particularly like folks of color who would be like, oh, you should make art about like your experience as a black person. And it's like, this person was like, I like nature.
0: <laughs> oh, no, I want to take pictures of trees. And <laughs> that also puts every artist also in that corner of like, well, you have to represent your entire group. Exactly.
1: Right? And like, that sucks. To
0: living your entire. And that's what I think of like these men that are making dance horror. I'm like, oh, this is sort of interesting that your experience is that you're so a weird dude that what you relate to (laughs) yeah like women being destroyed by the idea of artistry and power being displayed on their bodies (laughs) like well
1: it's interesting too because I know in the new Suspiria they were incredibly conscious of this like I don't think they were in the original uh Uh, I mean I think Dario Argento is more of kind of like a wild like Italian auteur mm -hmm. (laughs) but they did have a woman as the co-writer um And they said that the, I mean, I watched like a documentary about it and like the actor seemed very happy to be on that set. Like Mm -hmm. they talked about it as like a really good experience. Um, But in the new one, they were super hyper conscious of it being like mostly women, um, which is why Tilda Swinton plays the man. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's yes. only like a couple of actual men. Well, let's get into that. So that's
0: yeah. really interesting because, okay, so to be honest, I saw the second one before I saw the first one. Right? Okay. So that yeah, I did possibly, the opposite. Yeah, yeah. So that's possibly why the first one to me, this happened to me with Spaceballs. Spaceballs <laughs> and Star Wars also, <laughs> where I was like, Spaceballs is so good, and then when I watched Star Wars, I was like, why is this not funny?
1: <laughs> oh my god, you're like, I love existing in a world where Spaceballs is the original and Star Wars exactly. was the adaptation the of Spaceballs. The
0: adaptation, yeah, and it's like, why is Shakespeare doing Spaceballs? I hate it. <laughs> Like uh why is what is it Kurosawa doing space balls I hate yeah. it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's amazing.
0: Um but because I watched the I think wait, what I forgot what I was telling. you. Because I watched you the one. You watched the new live, one. Yeah. Yeah. First uh wait, but I forgot what I was telling you about. I fucking totally We were
1: talking, talking about him. men and Dr. Oh. Plumber. Exactly. So yeah.
0: one of the things that was like shocking for me when I went and watched the first one is that there's literally like three times as many men in the first yes. one than there are in the second one. Yeah, in the and first it's a co dance phase. Yeah, day. it's a co-ed, yeah. co-ed dance phase. So there's like sexy young dancer men in the troupe. <laughs> there's also like when the detectives come in to investigate the missing dancer, there's three of them instead of just two. Um, I don't think we ever oh we don't ever have a psychiatrist in the second one I mean in the first one what we have is like the historian yes guy that explains the coven history to her
1: the only yeah the the one bit of
0: exposition where the whole the one thing guy gets explained. Where he, the one guy that has <laughs> real like more than one line right yes but in 2018 Suspiria um, the only man Character that has more than one line is played by Tilda Swinton. Yes. So the entire troupe is women, all the teachers are women. Uh it's very interesting because patriarchy is almost absent. Like they create a space where women are both power and sacrifice. And that I think is unique and interesting. Right Yeah, because
1: right. I think they're so much more interested in that like mother daughter, yeah, like dynamic. Yeah, yeah like younger women as vessels and like mm-hmm. uh, sort of like creating, recreating life, like rebirth. I mean that that's what the whole um, the new dance that all of them are going to start working on when they retire uh, Volk. Yeah, um, exactly. is about rebirth. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, okay. So, if we take the gender out of it, though, mm-hmm. then I think it becomes a critique of artists, right? Because every single person, whether they're a teacher or a dancer in the new Suspiria, in the in the remake, um, they all exist like they're willing to subsume themselves into a higher calling Mm -hmm. right yeah whether they know the higher calling is this like supernatural shit like the (laughs) teachers do or whether they're like we're just dancers yeah Yeah. no that's so true i absolutely am here to i don't care how much creepy shit is happening i'm gonna (laughs) ignore all the obvious signs that like chicks are going missing like all this (laughs) and they're like yeah I just know I'm at the best school and I have to perform the best and I have to be the best. And yeah, that then becomes a critique about how much of yourself, I guess, are you willing to sort of abuse in this same body horror way or like give up or sacrifice or compromise in order to keep allowing yourself access to making art. Yeah,
1: I mean, this is, like, a very material um, issue for me because um, I don't come from a wealthy family. I don't... I had... My parents were both artists, but they weren't, like, quote-unquote, like, successful. Like, Like they weren't... Yeah, yeah, they weren't, like, part of any sort of, like, academy. You know, they were, like... They were bar musicians so like it was cool (laughs) yeah i mean basically yeah um but uh so you know material materially for me this is like a thing that i think about all the time because it's like you know how much can i take off from work yes just to like make some art like you know how can i like scrimp or like how can i work like many hours one month so that like the next month i can take a week off mm-hmm. um and but- a lot of the access like i did think it was interesting that like you know they say basically they want all the women there to like not worry about food mm-hmm. or um they- i think they specifically place to live.
0: say that they understand that um financial independence is very important to a woman's mm-hmm. ability yeah. to live her life yes so and So like, they don't charge for any of the dancers to live there. Right. And Susie was like, oh, my God, really? No money? And she's like, yeah, of course not. Which is so, like you're saying, a, a material reality acknowledgement of, like, if you want to create your art, there should be a system that provides a way for you to just focus on that. Yes. But then also that is the carrot being dangled. Yeah. For her to be... <laughs> fucking abused right yeah like i would like <laughs> yeah i'd like
1: the first one and not the second one yeah
0: <laughs> exactly yeah i like, know i just want
1: the government to give me a stipend uh, to be totally. an artist and make my work That's without right. you're right without being sacrificed to a company.
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know because in the second one i think the like vibe we really get is that like uh susie's like the chosen one right and yeah i, I do think it's an important critique for artists because of this yes. idea of genius, right? Of like, yeah, talent is just inert or inherent or whatever. And if you have it, you have it. And if you don't, you don't. And she represents that.
1: Yes, where, very much so. Yeah.
0: Where it's just like you were born to be this. And simultaneously, she also represents not having the direct access. Right. She's the working class poor person who she's not like the Susie in the original. Right, who had access to dancing school since she was young and got into this fancy school in Germany. She's, like, absolutely throwing away her whole life to pursue this. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and I think, like, that's a, you know, that's, like, one of those narratives that can be used against you very easily where it's, like, you know, you're just not working hard enough or, like, you're not, you... Or if it was if you were really enough. talented
0: it would have happened already. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, anything like that. And it's um so I just find her in the new one like such an interesting um critique of artists and like something like artists should be thinking about because she's an example of like even if you really had the god-given, quote, talent, right? And you were meant mm-hmm. to be the one then making art for the world ultimately empties you out in a certain yeah way. Right? yeah You're and like what
1: right and like that's yeah. not what i mean one of the reasons why i'm not very successful quote unquote
0: is i <laughs> You're don't like not have, rich you are yeah successful. i don't like, have the, one of the reasons i'm not rich
1: <laughs> yeah like i don't feel that pressure that's like one of the things that like I decided at a certain point like I went to grad school kind of later and I I mean I'm in a ton of debt and it sucks but um I I kind of like came to terms with the fact that like I won't ever be famous at a point because um my dad was a musician and he like worked in bars and he was talented, but, like, same thing, also, like, didn't come from a family that, like, had money or access. Yeah. And his drive to be a rock star was, like, very self-destructive Yeah. and hard as, like, a kid to be around, you know? And I think for a while, he wanted me to be famous because it didn't happen for him. And now I'm, like, I don't really care. Like, it what? sounds, honestly, like a lot of trouble.
0: <laughs> totally. No, and I I kind of think that that's what this movie is sort of pointing at, too, is that um, the idea of success in art is defined by capitalism, and it very often means that it is, like, this emptying sort of yeah. Uh, experience. Yeah, it's very destructive. So, yeah. yeah. And, man, I just love it. Like, I think it's a really good, um, you know, so in the I also think that the the 2018 Suspiria is more gory and more body horror than the first one.
1: Yeah, I could see that. Especially,
0: yeah. you remember the end scene on the new Suspiria where oh my God. <laughs> yeah, where everything explodes, just like blood <laughs> bath. Oh my God! For anybody who hasn't seen this, it's so funny. Actually, it totally reminds me of Buffy. Does it yeah, not remind you? <laughs> there's a lot
1: of, and it reminded me of. Um, Oh, man. Like early Cronenberg where mm-hmm. like heads just blow up. and Totally.
0: Like- yes. Where it's just like, oh, people like manually poured this blood on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the scene at the end is basically like it's supposed to be the culmination scene where the um, teacher ladies, they've been manipulating all the little dancers to do the dance that is going to be like the sacrifice dance for their goddess right so they go into this like cavern below the school and they're all down there naked and they all start doing the dance and then Susie comes in and she's supposed to be like the main sacrifice we gather yeah but instead of uh like giving herself over to be a sacrifice she suddenly gets, like, imbued with the whole power of the goddess that they're all dancing for. And
1: she opens a vagina <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to <exactly>. her chest. <laughs> yes,
0: and then we – oh, I forgot to talk about Mother Meyer or whatever, the main one on the side, who's the one who's technically the head of the coven. Yes. And one of the things they allude to is the fact that, like, her body is all falling apart and disgusting and, like, full of boils. Because she's supposed to have died, but by sacrificing all these young women over the years, she keeps, like, getting health and youth and stuff, right? Yeah. So that's where the corruption came for the goddess, right? Which I think is a sign of, like, it isn't good when women cannibalize each other and compete against each other and use each other to get to the top of the pile basically yeah
1: I mean she's basically just like in the you know quest for sort of like everlasting youth and beauty she is like destroying all
0: these women around all these women and like there's a
1: lot to that in like our society you know like Mm -hmm. that we worship like idealized femininity and, and will, like will do Kardashian, anything who for will it yeah you, that
0: you look bad and you need to buy these things because your face isn't good enough or whatever like right that's who made cool, you man. yeah who made
1: everyone want to get like a big ass and then yeah. like this year she was like actually i want to be skinny yeah and like she can just do that and then all these people are like oh, fuck, I guess I have to get rid of this fake ass that I
0: paid for. (laughs) Exactly. So, again, I guess to me, the most horrific and troubling part of my love for Cisteria 2018 is realizing that one of the deepest um, critiques of me as a feminist that has made me think so deeply about my relationship with other women and stuff like that, was fucking directed by a man. (laughs) And I'm just like, why? Sometimes they get it. I don't know. (laughs) I know. No, you know what? I got to have you back to talk about Heat. Have you ever watched Heat? Uh, The The heist movie. Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: I have a friend who used to watch that movie. He was a DJ, and he watched that movie every (laughs) Saturday night after his show at, like, 3 (laughs) a.m.
0: Yeah, I'll talk about Heat. (laughs) We got to talk about He, because you know what? It's one of these movies that is made by men for men. Yes. And it is about men. But if if we really examine it and talk about it, it is about every single man failing in their interpersonal relationships Mm -hmm. and how their attempts to be men the way that they were taught they're supposed to be men end up hurting women
1: yeah it's like the sopranos You exactly. know, where, like people don't yes. understand that they're they're like it's not glorifying to toxic yeah. yeah
0: it's not glorifying this is extremely um it's an it's an injunction what is it uh yeah like we're yeah this is bad <laughs> yeah um so, so yeah, i have I a question have you. for yeah, you about like
1: the end end of the new suspiria so um. After everyone explodes and there's like the crazy um blood bath. like kind of blood <laughs> orgy scene, um. Susie, who's now mother superiorum, comes mm-hmm. to Doctor Klemper's bed, and um. Funny. I guess one thing we didn't talk about is that. So throughout the movie, he is, um, mourning his wife, who he kind of lost, in the war. Um, she got separated from him, and he keeps going to look for her in East Berlin and, like, right. looking for her in their home. And, like, event actually also gets, like, charmed by the witches to think that, like, she came back, which is very sad.
0: Um, yeah. And but- simultaneously, uh, the way the dancers know him is that the dancer that's missing at the beginning of both movies... In the second one, the initial scene is actually of that dancer going to see that therapist. And she's like, kind of not, she doesn't sound logical. She seems crazy. And she's like, pouring out all this information to him about a a coven and witches and all this stuff. And then she disappears. And so then he is the one that is the impetus for why the cops are searching. For the missing dancer right
1: yes so that's one like, we know of him
0: but then we learn what you're saying that he right. can, yeah
1: and he's like a very um you know he's an incredibly imperfect character because mm-hmm. he doesn't believe these women um when they come at the beginning for, yeah you know exactly. that he thinks that they're hysterical um and he also like you know the the witches tell him like you could have looked for your wife so many times you could have tried harder and you didn't do it it was all yeah. you know out of this fear and out of like you know I'm sure the the trauma of war you know at yeah like it affects people in different ways so you know so he's mourning his wife um and Susie comes or you know Susie slash mother superiorum comes to him and and tells him what happens to his wife, which is incredibly sad. He's she... like
0: on his deathbed, or he's just sick.
1: I think bed. he's just sick because yeah. he had he had to watch the blood orgy, <laughs>
0: right?
1: So he's recovering. Oh, no, he's like recovering from hysteria. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And
0: she comes to visit him, and she's like all neatly dressed, and mm-hmm. and more like she's no longer the um, insecure little dancer right yeah she has a
1: new presence to her um and you know she tells him all about everything that happened to his wife that she you know unfortunately got arrested and went to a camp and they they did a like census at the camp and made everyone stand outside for a very long time and she died of exposure
0: exposure yeah
1: and um she died with two women who like cared for her and made and her feel her like hand she wasn't she alone. Die alone
0: um have to answer i did exactly <laughs> the same thing that i did on your podcast which is that i bumped my desk and then the audio went out so then it's like oh, i was starting a new recording so now i have to splice it together tell leslie we're even. okay <laughs> i will i will tell leslie <laughs> so like i also fucked it up for myself uh but no so where you left <laughs> off what you were saying was like uh that The do you think it was? Do I think it was kindness of her,
1: yeah, or cruelty? Like the act of making someone forget about the even though it's horror, even though it's incredibly sad,
0: yeah.
1: Um, is that a kindness, or do you think that's kind of a cruelty?
0: Well, oh, did she make him forget? I thought she came and she told him all the details, right, that he didn't know.
1: She did, and did yeah. Did she make
0: him forget at the end? Oh. Mm-hmm. okay. So I would say yeah. that making him forget is a kindness if she made him forget even the desire to go find out why, right? Because mm. I do think that he was, like, very unhappy the whole time, right? He was. The, yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess survivor's guilt kind of shit was going on with him. Yes,
1: absolutely. And so, yeah.
0: as mean as it may seem to tell him all of the truth of what she knows that his wife actually went through, I think that is what he wanted ultimately. So then, for mm-hmm. her to make him forget it all at the end, that is a kindness. So, actually, I had forgotten about that scene, but to me, that scene yeah. is what clinches it that Mother Suspiriorum is not bad, you know? She...
1: Right, that she's, but she's yeah. trying to be a different kind No, and kind she was of... always
0: good, and so, like, the corruption in her coven was not because of her, it was because of the humans who were corrupted by individual needs like ego and vanity and desire for power, like mm-hmm. Mother Mayor was. And, yeah. you know, I do think Blanc, at least in the second one, Blanc... Uh, represented the idea of doing things correctly and not having it be about your personal ego, but she was losing up against the faction of the Mother Mayor people who were like power and beauty and eternal youth, right? So I guess like ultimately I think um, Mother Superior is good and what she did was good. The only thing that was bad, I guess, is that um, Susie was never a person, I guess she's like an empty vessel for mm-hmm. her, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, so what happens to yeah, I guess you sort know, like of her like mother like, dies sad Susie yeah it is no, like her
0: Susie's mother dies sad and regretful and feeling like she brought some kind of devil to the world, yeah. so it's not yeah it's not like a clean slate situation it's a very uh this is questionable for everyone but i think that that's sort of like i don't have kids but if you have a fucking child artist if you're not an artist yourself that's gonna be crazy because mm-hmm. you just made like a little psycho that's gonna go off into the earth to like <laughs> i'm gonna make artworks <laughs> out of socks <laughs> and like whatever oh my god <laughs> My mom is so yeah. kind. <laughs> she, she was an artist too, so she's very like, yeah. What else could you be? It's gay? true. Nothing else.
1: She goes to my grad, yeah, going to my graduate thesis, being like, "Um, why did you make art out of old socks?" <laughs> and she's like, "I'm really trying to
0: get your thesis, honey."
1: I love it. Yeah, and I'm like, "Well, I, I was reading a lot of dolls, <laughs> and that's beautiful."
0: Um, yeah, yeah. but. What I really enjoyed about the fact that they made Susie a Mennonite in the new one is that it is a really extreme way to be like, no, her family could never get the desire to be an artist and and have ex- self-expression drive your life. You know what I mean?
1: Uh, yeah. And they could never understand, I guess, like a desire for a different kind life. of family yeah, structure. Exactly. Yeah, and that like their daughter is like sort of this powerful force that like could be for good, but like they would but never they accept that. They don't because, understand like, which is exactly. just bad. They can't even understand yeah. it, which,
0: then also makes it an anti-trad movie. Hell yeah. Oh, oh yeah, I'm going to on that, love it. You should
1: do a um, uh you know how you have your your Blumhouse uh like (laughs) archive you should do one for like anti-trad
0: movies i'm gonna try that actually i think uh i'm gonna have to look into aronofsky i know you don't love him but (laughs) i i'm like holy shit i didn't know who this dude was until like a year ago none of you film nerds yell at me shut the (laughs) fuck up i don't care about directors (laughs) i just noticed like a year ago that i liked aronofsky i did
1: like black swan (laughs) i do (laughs) have to say i liked black swan
0: Black Swan's great, and Mother is great. You don't like Mother? Uh, Sonier? I, you know... No yeah, judgment I, if you don't, because it's extremely anxiety-inducing. Yeah, I didn't... And not fun to watch. I didn't <laughs> like it very much.
1: But I, I like, I appreciate it. But, again, it's kind of the same sort of thing that he does, I think. Where he's, like, a little too... You know too why? This is didactic for me.
0: Uh, this is going to be an ongoing side series. I'm going to have Kate on. We're going to come in. Hell yeah. She likes Darren Aronofsky. <laughs> what was the other one? Uh, I don't know. We're going to do it. I can't wait. Uh, Kate, I love talking with you both on your podcast yeah. and on this one. Thank you so much for filling in for Jake. It is so fun to talk. Um, I love
1: talking about movies. I
0: will talk about movies anytime. So I'm going to have you back. Please. For more. And if anybody listening, Uh, has ideas for us and stuff you want to hear Kate talk about? Yes, at yumadpod at gmail.com, and we'll have Kate back on to talk about. Is there anything you want to? Yeah, so, um, if you
1: are interested in looking at my weird art, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. so my name is spelled K A Y T E, and then T as in Tom E R R Y. I say that because people think it's Perry. Like Katy Perry all the time, and it's very weird and uncomfortable. It'll be
0: spelled correctly in the beginning of the show.
1: Um, I am not Katy Perry um, because I am not a neo lib. Um, but anyway.
0: <laughs> Look, I do not have shark uh, backup dancers. No,
1: and I would never vote for Rick Caruso for LA.
0: I know. Sorry, Jesus. Los Angeles. Anyway.
1: So, um, so yeah, my website is kateterry.com. And then I am on Twitter. Oh my God. When am I on Twitter? <laughs> oh, at Kate I Terry. How easy is that? Oh. <laughs> um, I'm warm bucks on Twitter. And then my, um, podcast is called Fangs for the Memories. And our Twitter is Fangs Podcast. And, um, yeah, we do, uh Buffy recaps and we talk about how much we adore Buffy and hate Joss Whedon and we love 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 horror so yeah. we talk about horror a lot too so yeah
0: I love it there there are kind of people Hell yeah. so if you're into the stuff we talk about and while you mad you should definitely check out things for the memories um both cool people that run the show and great topics yay that we talk about. so check it out uh for me i don't have anything to plug you already know follow me at uh, whatever all the podcast of why you mad pod and then luisa diaz nuts and then also whatever for those things you can see my information for shows i've got coming up in new york city and that's about it send us an email have a good time bye, bye. <laughs> Are you mad?